Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we continue with our month-long foray into this long-form setting situation, the city on the edge of the end. I don't know about y'all, but I've been having a blast having a long form setting to dig into. It's been really fun to kind of explore the nuances and explore the kind of history and understanding and culture and all that stuff. I've been really enjoying myself. Uh, So I would ask you that if you like the kind of long form stuff that we're doing, especially compared to our shorter series, let us know if you prefer the shorter series. That's also really valuable information. Tell us in Discord. You can tell us by shooting us an email. Honestly, you can go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. You can tell us there, or if you want to submit your own prompt, you can click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to come and tell us on Discord, there's a link for that in the description. And if for some reason you want to tell us what's going on on Twitter, we're over at Let's World Build. And if you want a little bit more of this long form content, you can go to our Patreon where we'll be having a fifth episode up where we talk about the city at the edge of the end again, even more than we're already here. Now, this is the penultimate episode, so we're going to be talking about factions and all that good stuff today. But if you want to get caught up, I strongly, strongly recommend going back and listening to the first two episodes of this series Otherwise, things are going to get really confusing. And before we get started, just a big and huge and loving thank you to all of our patrons over on our Patreon. You keep us going for all your support, both emotional, financial, all that good stuff, what have you. Thank you again. Seriously, though, that that seriously, thank you for your support. With all of the shilling out of the way, we can get right into our factions. So we join ourselves once again at the city of the edge of the end. Courtney, tell us, who are the movers and shakers that you want to focus on here and now? Go ahead and get us started. Okay. Um, So I started playing a game called Pentiment recently, in which you play an artist during the Renaissance and you're working closely with monks who are doing illuminated manuscripts, uh, which is not something you typically see a whole lot of in games. So I wanted to bring something similar in here, a faction of scribes and printers who create books about the end of the world and about the Mm. heroic or less heroic exploits of adventurers who explore out towards the edge. Uh, I could also see them printing newspapers for the city's residents to bring in more of a regular cash flow in between those longer term projects. Mm. And also, Rob, with those canals that you had brought up last time, too, um, I could see there being runoff of inks and pigments and blue residue and all of those fun chemicals. So I really love this concept. I have to say like the idea that you have like manuscript writers and stuff like that working. And I I think that when you say, you know, newspapers, right, you're, you're suggesting cash flow, but Mm -hmm. I think what that also allows or, or what we should also consider when we think about this is flow of information and how key that might actually be, right? Yeah, yeah. So so definitely a factor that we want to consider uh, when we're talking about this faction. But what do you think their main goal might be? That That's what I'm really interested in. Like, because they have a stake in the city, obviously, mm-hmm. right? So what is that stake? What is their goal? And how do they express their power in the city? Hmm. I think that they were probably founded by like a historian scholar type. And I think they've tried to keep pure to that vision of recording history and offering that information out to the people. I think that even though I'm sure the uh, less savory factions have tried to like get their fingers in there for influence, they've probably managed to stay away from that and have stuck to their principles. So I can't see you right now because we're recording over the internet. I can't help but feel like you were looking directly at Daniel when you were saying unsavory (laughs) character types. No, no. And I know that's because Daniel brought up, you know, the vice dens and stuff like that. Not that I'm suggesting that he has some kind of a vice den (laughs) 
live action this time. But again, in my mind's eye, when Courtney is is saying all of this, I see her shifting her shoulders so her body is lined up directly with Daniel and being mm-hmm. like, I'm looking at you, fucker. Like, that's what my, my I mean, is. we we have spent a lot of time building up those uh, vice dens and criminals and drugs and stuff. So I wanted something that was purposefully separated from that mm, or trying mm. to stay separate from that. <laughs> I see. Sure, Daniel. Sure there are some, some, some vice <laughs> yeah. den people can't be artists too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wait, maybe they use, oh man, maybe <laughs> they like use those memories to write more pure oh, yeah. accounts of what these people see at the edge of the world. <laughs> see, okay, we can't, we're talking about your faction, Courtney. Yeah. We're not talking about the Vice Den people. Mm. We're going to wait until Daniel gets to talk about his I faction know. before I we know. talk about them. I have, I have a question about your guys, though. Um, in terms, so you said newspaper, mm-hmm. but it, it, what is the the fantasy equivalent of this in the setting? Because I imagine that we aren't chopping any trees. Yeah. But, hmm. Why not? Because, I mean, sure, it's entirely possible for us to put trees in this place, but I just find it unlikely given that it's in this weird edge of space and also publishing process. Yeah, interestingly, I I haven't pictured plant life in this setting mm-hmm. a whole lot. Yeah, me neither. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I certainly see it as a more urban landscape, you know, mm-hmm. it's akin to like an Amsterdam or something like that. But there's definitely right. like, there's definitely plants in there somewhere, right? R- right? I mean, yeah, there would have to be <laughs> something. Yeah. But yeah. I just don't imagine a whole industry of chopping trees right. down no, and I, turning yeah. them into paper. <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that they can't import their paper, though, to be fair. <laughs> so that's why I'm wondering, um, you know, what what are we going to use as a fantasy stand-in in this case? Like, Or we could have uh, cloth or... Vellum, you know? Vellum, yeah. Um, Why not human, human flesh, leather? You know? you know? Yep, exactly. Yeah. I'm glad that we thought of the same thing at the same time. No, no, no. Actually, I didn't <laughs> think of that in a genuine way. I'm like, I just know that that's what your no, sadistic I, ass yeah. mind was going no, for. I, I would not want to have human leather in this setting. You not say that, but anyway. I don't believe you at all. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney's like, yeah, I was thinking that like, they would torture children and then that's how the news gets spread is that the screams the screaming, of children, yeah. yeah, they would deliver the news. Uh, <laughs> but really, um, to pull in the like canals some more, like what if there's a algae or seaweed type stuff in oh. the canals or in the water near this city that they can harvest and make like a, oh, that's cool. an odd paper out of. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that is very cool. The other alternative is that, like, maybe we don't need newspapers at all, but, like, bards or, like, town crier yeah. type situation, you know? Can you imagine, like, the news traveling down the canal as, like, these speakers mm-hmm. are paddling in their boats and they're yelling out? And, I mean, acoustically it works as well because I can imagine that, like, that your voice travels down those narrow mm-hmm. canals quite well, you know? That's a really cool image. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. It's, it's kind of like um, there's a comic from the 1970s about the 1920s and there's this image of a singer going around in the 1920s during the depression era and like his acoustics because he's singing in the tenements it it projects remarkably well that's okay i'm getting way off track here but that that's (laughs) the image that i'm thinking of right like Mm -hmm. that acoustically it would work really well for what we're trying to do I like the um, notion that the sludge of the city is repurposed and used as a way to disseminate its art or information about its art. I agree. If you were using the allergy. Yeah, I see what you mean. Mm. Mm. Um, So I I think what we can probably do here is like, why not both, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 hold on. So what if the boat was magically enchanted as well? So like the algae would like form words as it like strode by. So like you'd look down into the canals and there'd be like the headline or something like that. <laughs> right. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're doing when they're paddling is like the paddle itself is actually like agitating the algae in some way or something like that. Like it's a magic wand more or less. It, essentially. Yeah. It's like you're speaking and it's basically a command word for magic, except that it's just giving you a transcript of what the person mm-hmm. is saying as you paddle. That's kind of a cool visual. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, admittedly, this is definitely my fault, but 
we're getting a little caught up in the aesthetics of it. Let's go back a little bit, right? So remind me again what they want and what their expression of power would be. Because, you know, the the newspaper bit, very important, very mm-hmm. cool, like controls the flow of information. What do they want, Courtney? Yeah. So going back to that, the sort of accurate recording of history right. and dissemination of that history, like a sort of effort to make sure that things don't get muddied as the news is spread. Mm -hmm. And a question for you, right? Like we talked about the idea of like memories being the kind of stuff that you give up and that's Mm -hmm. kind of a a semi-currency here as well, right? Yeah. So is their job to collect that? Like, because I imagine that that's like a more accurate or, or the most accurate representation of history is to kind of see it through these spheres, to see it through these you know, like methods and means of reproducibility. Yeah, I was thinking about that. And I wasn't sure if I wanted that to be like something that this faction accepts and strives to go for, or if that's sort of frowned upon as being like cheating almost Mm. in in journalism. (laughs) I could kind of see it going either way. What do you guys think? Well, for me, right, like when the advent of the photograph happened, it didn't mean that you couldn't spin the news anymore. It didn't mean that you couldn't stage or create propaganda in a different way. I would imagine that there is a whole mystery involved where, oh, they're, they're playing this one memory over and over again as the accurate thing that happened in history. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's from a very narrow perspective. There is bits and pieces missing. And then it is the job of the heroes to find the one person who is in the replayed memory who has a different perspective because for whatever reason, that information, their memory sphere of the incident is not available. Right? So in that regard, you can still create propaganda. You can still create a false narrative and, and finding the truth, even through these kind of different magical means is still something Mm -hmm. that can be twisted. and, 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 And I think it can be really fun plot hook to do it that way as well. Yeah, that's true. Like I could see a lower ranking scribe in this, like just doing stuff at face value, like grabbing these memory spheres or whatever and like churning out stories in an effort to get more work done. But really they're they're doing a disservice to the field. Oh, and, and absolutely. And there's always the trope of the journalist who is poking his nose where he shouldn't mm-hmm. be. Right. And that's something that you can absolutely do here as well. I can imagine them being very reactionary um, when it comes to the use of of memories, too, um, only because as I can see what's happening right now with um, our own shift in the art movement of a new technology that's come out, Mm -hmm. I'm sure some portion of them would be accepting of it. But if part of their goal is to protect history and memories have so much uncertainty, I can see them reacting very negatively towards um, the new technology versus whatever they may have originally used. Yeah, maybe there's like an old school editor there who hates the idea of it, even though it's like very much an up and coming mm, thing that's mm-hmm. it's going to happen. But he just refuses to to give in because you're oh. like you're parallel to the camera's great because, um, you know, I'm thinking about like AI art, of course, and like that's a parallel to the camera again. And we have like a backlash against it immediately. Mm. I, I think what's really interesting about that conceit as well is this transitional period, right, where you know, maybe the news will no longer be delivered by gondola. It won't be something that you have to spout from the the gondola anymore. It's like, we're just going to project this memory. Yeah. And that's going to be the curated news experience. Like, this is what happened today. And it's entirely different. It's played on massive projector screens. Mm -hmm. And this is the future. This is what the future will look like. But there's things that like, You know, like with any kind of new technology, there's a learning curve and there's a thing where it's like, oh, well, what should we do? How do we handle this? What are the ethics of this? You know, like Mm -hmm. we're in that moment right now in history. And I think people tend to fail to recognize this because we're 30 years removed from the Internet at this point. But the Internet is still such a remarkably new technology that we don't have a fucking handle on it yet. Right. We're still learning. We're still understanding the ramifications of the Internet and algorithms and data and all of that. We're still in a nascent stage and we're still like trying to figure that shit out. And I feel like with a technology like the one that we're talking about in the setting, like 
yeah, there's going to be implications. There's going to be thorny bits. And that's a fun thing that we can explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, is the setting sort of on the edge between uh, like Renaissance style scribes or even Industrial Revolution printing newspapers Mm. and stuff like that? And skip ahead a few eras worth of technology to like television. Like, Mm. is that what we're almost at with these memories? You know, I, I kind of feel like that's where we are right now is that the reason that this technology and or the reason that this material even is as valuable as it is and the reason that people are queuing up, you know, five digits deep into a mm-hmm. queue, the reason is because imagine that you could go into a city and after a couple of years, you'll get technology that's 50 to 100 years in the future. Like how valuable would that actually be, mm-hmm. Right. Imagine that you had a renewable resource that is incredibly valuable and powerful. Like how much time would you spend to get it? Right. And I think that that's what kind of what we're doing here in this setting is we're exploring a boom of technology and a, and a potential movement that is literally changing the world, but we're just focusing on the pivot point where it hasn't really fully rolled mm-hmm. into itself or it hasn't really gotten going. It's we're on the cusp of a revolution, but we're not quite there yet. Right. Which actually I'm kind of selling myself on this. The more that I talk <laughs> about it, like the more that I consider this option, the more that I consider this concept, I'm like, that's kind of a cool option, right? That's kind of a cool thing to talk about. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a fan of where this is going. It's not what I had in mind when we started, but mm-hmm. I like the direction that it's going in. I mean, that that's, that is one of the things that I think the long form setting allows us to understand and, uh, and, and explore is how our settings and our concepts and ideas change over time to see a fully formed idea come to light. Right. And we're still not there, mind you, we still have another episode and a half to go after this, but the, the concept, right? Like to watch it go from really basic idea to fully fleshed out thing is I love, I love mm-hmm. it. I, lo- I just like digging my teeth into it. Absolutely adore it. But we have more factions to get through. So let's move on. Daniel, tell me all about your faction. Who are they? What's their deal? What do they want? Um, the faction I had in mind, um, I'm calling the line runners mm. because what they are about is destroying the line. Okay. They are a revolutionary faction that believe that the line is a uh, corrupt and it's representative of um, some kind of inequality in the city. And then at its heart, whatever is being offered is fundamentally evil. And so they operate in secret against the politics of the city in an effort to blow up buildings and disrupt processes near the center of the city and eliminate people who might be helping to further solidify the line's existence in the city. So you've got a, you've got a bunch of rebellious anarchist fucks and I, mm-hmm. I dig it, man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> When you say that they target buildings and like edifices of power and, you know, law, what does that look like? Are they just straight up terrorists? Are they like the round bomb wielding Bolsheviks from Annie from the 80s? Like, what do they look like in action? I think they're literally blowing up buildings. (laughs) Okay. Um, Have they tried to blow up the God Forge itself? Oh, I'm sure. But I'm sure that's a much bigger project and something yeah. that probably they wouldn't want to directly attempt unless they knew they could do it. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Interesting. Gotcha. Okay. So last episode or maybe the episode before that, I remember think we, we were talking about this idea of uh, looking at the tops of people's head as, they, as the numbers tick down, right? Mm-hmm. And then, oh, a major event happened and it went and you jumped a bunch of places all at once, right? Yeah. I'm now thinking of that and like, when these anarchists kind of look at their numbers, because I'm assuming they all have numbers, right? Otherwise, they'd be easily identifiable, right? Right. I mean, I guess everyone here has to have a number, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. well no, not necessarily, because you can choose not to. Hmm. I don't know. I think they may have to take a number just to be able to hide among the people, yeah. but I imagine yeah. they're opposed to the concept. Like once right. their time in line comes, right. they probably aren't supposed to go for it, but I'm sure... Some people do. Well, oh, maybe they use that as an opportunity to get closer and cause more destruction. Mm, right. Yeah. Re- because remember, this is also like a subcurrency that we have here as well, right? Right. 
where there's this idea that you can kind of exchange things for places in line and whatnot, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's kind of their goal for trying to get the Godforge itself is they all have numbers that are around each other. And once that point yeah. comes in line, they're oh. able to like storm in. To and get in do there something. and do it. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah exactly. They're waiting for their moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. To hang Mike Pence? Like what? what? <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, operating no. the forge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is about this is about angelic election <laughs> integrity and nothing uh -huh. else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, so what does their day to day look like? How do they exert their power? Because are, are they just straight up like terror cell type people? Why would people join them, especially if they're already in line and they see this technology and all that stuff? What's their motivation behind doing this? Um, so I'm not sure whether they, I mean, I, the way I pictured them, of course, was like cell based and that they're on the ground. Um, as for mm -hmm. their like uniting philosophy though, I think in order to operate, they probably have to have people in high places who deeply believe mm -hmm. in their fanatical point of view. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine that there are politicians who are aligned with them and who help them, whether that's with intelligence or with, um, resources, and I think that they must deliberately not necessarily know who the others are until right. certain mm. things are put in place to allow them to act. So, and I also wonder, one of the thoughts I had is I wonder if their belief system has some basis in the arrival and the mythology behind the angels, mm, yeah. because the angels tend to be arbitrarily destructive sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's possible they interpret that in a different way than others do. And that you know, uh, it might be a yeah. dark sign and, and a reason why that this, the God Forge itself must be destroyed. Interesting. Very interesting. Religious in some way, I would say. Mm -hmm. In short. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I love the I love that there's this grand conspiracy involved. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that there's people in high places. Yeah. What I'm also really intrigued by is this idea. And I'm, I'm curious. How do they feel about the end of the world? Because in my mind, the reason that they're trying to stop the God Forge, they're trying to destroy the God Forge is because they want the end of the world to come or they see that the God Forge is preventing the end of the world in some way. Like, I, I don't know why my brain goes there and you, I, I'm, I could be completely off base here, but like, that's what I'm thinking is that they're, it's not that they're malicious in this. It's like, oh, there's a karmic imbalance that needs to be corrected in this in some way. My feeling is I don't want them necessarily to be like, uh, like doomers, but I think mm. I think um, they they probably reject the idea that this represents an end of times or end end of the world. Oh, and then, okay. This whole line is a construction. It's 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 nonsense. And if it were destroyed, people Ooh. could truly be free. They could leave mm. the city. They could populate and have lives elsewhere. People are in this line for false hope. Is kind of their perspective. Okay. I, I actually really like that because it, to me. I see parallels between like flat earthers in a lot of mm -hmm. ways, right? Where they see the grand conspiracy of the God forge as the thing, right? It's not that mm -hmm. it's the objective truth. It's that this is the truth that everyone else believes in. And right. that's the conspiracy. That's the method of control. Right. And so they're bucking against this idea that, this is a means of control and I reject that means of control. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, like it's obvious that there is some crazy phenomenon beyond the city, like, and mm -hmm. people interpret that as the end of the world, but to mm -hmm. them, like we're still alive. There's still generations of people. Like, why mm -hmm. are we worshiping this object in this line? Mm -hmm. And right. why are yeah. we beholden to it? You know, that's the only way to get people to wake up. And, and some people believe that there's a holographic moon and some people <laughs> believe that the earth is hollow and that there's lizard people. Like that's the thing. Like th there's that conspiratorial thought that you're going to have like in, I, I'm imagining in your group, there's going to be the hardliners who are like, I'm a fucking freedom fighter, man. Like right. I'm a pragmatist. I see these as chains. I'm breaking the chains. Mm. Yeah. And then at the same time, you're going to get the fucking crazy hoo-hahs who are like, nah, man, I just want to stop the bugs from crawling under my skin. <laughs> and the only way to do that is by destroying the God Forge. Like that, like I mm -hmm. see that spectrum of people that this faction is attracting. 
Yeah, granted, of course, there's going to be like crazy conspiracy theory types in them that think it's all part of some scheme to keep people there. And there's those who just like um, maybe there's the really crazy ones who don't even believe that the phenomenon exists out there. Those are the people I'm interested in talking to, like, <laughs> frankly, because I'm like, I'm fascinated by that. You know, I think the ones that are in charge and the, the ones that, that are majority, though, um, acknowledge like the technology that's come out of it. They acknowledge that there is a, some kind of weird spatial thing out there. And that there are angels, but they don't see it as a reason to sit in a line and wait for right. people to hand yeah. out, right. you know, your turn to receive mm-hmm. these things. And so, mm-hmm. the, so the, and they really want people to wake up. So that's the whole point. Right. Those, those yeah. are the chain breakers that I was talking about. Yeah. Like that's the core of, of those people, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. It's about waking people up, basically. Exactly. Right, exactly. The storm is coming yeah. and January 6th and all that stuff. Absolutely, <laughs> right? So so let me ask you this, Daniel. How do they exert control? Because it's not just about blowing up buildings and stuff like that. That's that's a means. That's a method to it. How do they how do they convert people and how do they exert control otherwise? Like what how do they make money? Well, I think the money comes from their connections to the political people at the top. Mm-hmm. In terms of control, I don't know. I don't know whether they want to be super visible, like publicly visible, other than the explosions, of course, <laughs> their philosophy. So I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not sure on that. I don't know whether because um, part of control can be fear, right? Mm-hmm. So the fear of your daily life being disrupted gives them presence, but at the same time, that's not a reason why people would want to join them. But I don't know if they care to have to, to greatly increase their numbers necessarily. Mm. Like they have a very singular goal. So I don't know if, if it's a matter of like, sure, we can keep people on edge and that's why they fear them. And that's that's how they exert control. And by disrupting, mm-hmm. that's what a lot of terrorists do. <laughs> they get yeah, into your mind yeah. and then you're thinking about, oh, you know, when I go down the street, is this building going to explode? And is, is this, am I going to, you know, not be able to get to the bank because the banks have been shut down because they've run on banks, like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's part of their method of control. But in terms of recruiting, I don't know if they're, uh, I think they want people to realize something, but it doesn't mean that they need them to help them do the thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, when you said like they want people to wake up, that's mm-hmm. what I mean, right? Like, because I would imagine that if they feel like they can get enough people to understand that this is a fu- mm-hmm. and mind you, this I'm not suggesting that this is the truth in the matter. I'm just suggesting that this is what they believe. Their truth, yeah. Right. If if their truth is they need the most amount of people to wake up so they can mm-hmm. all cast off the shackles, like that's their ultimate goal, right? It might be that they can because they have members and organizations like even Courtney's artists who mm-hmm. record history, you know, they might have more subtler methods of, of mm. manipulating um, education. And yeah. I mean, thinking of them having people in high and high levels means that they have opportunities to get their message, like subtly embedded into stuff. Right. And and that's, that's kind of what I'm curious about. Like, that's the stuff that I'm like, Ooh, tell me about that. You know no. what I mean? And I, I don't have any specifics, but I mean, that's the sort of thing they would do. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. That's fine. I, I wasn't, I wasn't prompting you. I was just like, yes, yeah, yeah. that's the type of thing that I want to be right, right. interested in. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could see like subtle messaging being put out from those canal criers, essentially mm-hmm. who give the news, like just subtle phrasing that shifts mm. public perception of the line towards a negative view <laughs> of what's going on. You you have like one guy who's the Newsmax slash OAN of <laughs> of the canal shouters. Like it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm sticking in the news, but the news is just slightly skewed in my direction. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's actually kind of fun. Like that's that's mm. a really interesting thing to consider as well. And I also wonder like what their ultimate attack is going to be. And I'm I started thinking, like, what if their aim is to summon or create an angel like in the God Forge itself and like Ooh. demolish it that way. Well, Courtney, you're spoiling next episode <laughs> and you don't even realize it um, because that, that definitely sounds like something that's going to happen mm. or at least that, that sounds really intriguing for sure. Yeah. Right? I like that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, and any other questions surrounding Daniel's line breakers? Um, what do they use for their terrorist activities? I mean, we can, you know, go with sort of conventional weaponry and stuff, but do they also use like magic means or some sort of explosives that like we don't have in our real world? 
I have a feeling they would use the forge against itself. So if mm-hmm. they have people in the line who eventually will get in line, like I, I do like the idea of like a certain sect of them having a similar number so they can blow it up. But I'm mm-hmm. sure they have had people in the line over time who've come in and mm-hmm. out. I'm sure that they extract um, the things they extract from the forge. They can then use as weapons. Mm. Oh, I see what you mean. Or as intelligence to give to in further activities, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can you can also create martyrs that way as well, right? Where it's like, I'm going to give everything that I am to the forge, so in the hopes that the people will use this for the greater good to take down the forge. You know, like mm-hmm. creating the means to break your own chains, essentially, right? I mean, if you're if you're getting memory, if you can like record and collect and traffic and memories, that's intelligence to be used. Yeah. You know terrorist activity absolutely and that's and that's an interesting way to to kind of approach things as well yeah well daniel's trying to create chaos right but someone's gotta keep the goddamn city running right and that's what my faction's all about i originally was considering these people to be architects right like literal architects because this is a city that has kind of had to become built as its population grew. So that's kind of important, but I actually thought it might be a little bit more interesting if, as we've kind of talked about, there's, there's multiple currencies kind of running through this whole kind of setting and someone's got to keep all that straight. There's got to be some way, some means to uh, regulate and facilitate transactions, right? We need some kind of hyper-capitalist to keep things in control here. And so uh, that's why I have the keepers of the vault. And these people are essentially the bankers of the city on the edge of the end, where they keep track of all of the transactions. They keep track of who's in line. And, and mind you, it's it's not the, the, the queue kind of happens on its own. But in their mind, what they do is they control the transaction they allow and facilitate the transactions between the queue and also regular money because regular money is also a thing. So when I was, uh, I, I took a little vacation recently and while I was in Barcelona, I saw the Sagrada Familia, which is this massive cathedral created by a very famous artist and architect named Gaudi. And he spent 40 years of his life trying to create this cathedral and died. And it is still not done. It has been under construction for over a hundred years. And as of right now, the current estimated time of completion is 2026. And having seen this thing, having seen this thing, it is breathtaking. It is absolutely stunning to see this thing in real life. It, it is, it is uh, evocative of awe. So what I thought would be really interesting, I wanted to take that concept of this unfinished building, this unfinished kind of monument to a concept. In this case, uh, Gaudi was talking about Christ and nature and all that stuff. That's, that's cool, but I want to try and apply it here to this setting. So in my mind, these bankers are trying to create this massive monument to something. And I don't know what that thing is, but that's their goal. Their goal is essentially to try and tithe and grab as much money and build this thing. And I was hoping that you two would enlighten me or help me kind of guide my hips and figure out what they're trying to create here. Hmm. There, so they care about order and making this all work, basically, economically economically right they're 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 the ones who are in charge of money and not not just money right mm-hmm. they're they're interested in exchanging of goods whether that be the uh, metal whether it be memories whether it be positions in line they're the ones who regulate that who try and keep things in order because otherwise you just have people stabbing motherfuckers out here you have them stealing all that stuff like they're this is the regulatory commission that exists because it needs to exist. Otherwise, things would get remarkably bloody very fast. This is strictly an uh, artistic thing they're building. I don't know, honestly. I'm kind of of the mind that what they're doing is they're trying to create an entire building slash engine out of the material that's being extracted from the Godforge. 
right? <laughs> so the idea that they're trying to create an entire palace or temple or vault that is just made of this material, it means like it's a display of power, but maybe there's some kind of idea behind it as well. I'm not sure. I, I, I was hoping that we would kind of figure this out on the podcast. I'm picturing like a massive set of scales as a representation of balance and order and justice and mm -hmm. also trade, like the weighing of, of materials. Um, sure. See, I see that as something that they already have, right? Like not, not some massive monument to that. Although that's kind of an interesting thing. If they have, maybe they have a small scale version and they're trying to upscale it. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's not just about, you know, like weigh the person or weigh the thing. What are they weighing though? Because if they need it on a massive scale, mm -hmm. right? What well, are they trying to weigh? They're clearly weighing memory itself. I have a feeling that they're building a device that is so sensitive. Think like, you Ooh. know, Hubble telescope scale uh, that I don't know exactly what it does, but perhaps its capability of measurement in the sense of memory is so perfect. I got you. You know, that it would be a representation of everything that's been achieved with the God. Yes. Mm. Okay. Love the idea. I love the idea that it needs to be massive because it requires intricate work that they just can't do on a smaller scale, right? I love that concept. Mm -hmm. I also love the idea that, and mind you, this might not be true, but I love the idea that what they're trying to weigh are concepts or they're trying to weigh like existential things. So they think that right. they can weigh what, like they can literally measure justice. They right. can literally mm -hmm. measure good and evil exactly. with this machine as long as it's big and intricate and powerful enough. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I'm thinking, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that sounds cool as shit. <laughs> and I love the fact that like they can basically build this monument ad infinitum as well. Like that mm -hmm. to me is really intriguing. Because mm -hmm. they can always be more accurate, you know? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, again, I would recommend taking a look into the history of Sagrada Familia and understanding why it is as intricate and why it's taken over 100 years thus far to create. Because goddamn, that thing is amazing looking. Like it, to, and, and it, the the intricacies and the scale of it, the pure scale, it dominates an entire neighborhood. It's so impressive. It's so cool looking. But anyway, like I, I love this idea. I love what we're coming up with here. Like that to me is really cool. I wonder if it can also be used as a method of um, applying justice to criminals or people who are suspected of being criminals. Kind of like the Ooh. the Egyptian, like, you know, your heart is weighed against, mm -hmm. what was it, a feather or something to see where you would go in the afterlife. Yeah. Something mm -hmm. to that effect where, like, if you're suspected of some, like, high crime, you're put into this thing and it, like, judges you in some way. It could revolutionize the line in that sense. Ooh. If such a thing were built, right, according to what you're saying, Courtney, you could then reorder the line based on their worthiness. Yeah. Uh, I like that. Interesting. I like that as an ultimate goal, right? Like mm -hmm. their, their whole deal right. is that may, maybe they're somewhat aligned with the line breakers in that they want to abolish the line, but only because they think that there is, there is a certain number of people who deserve it. And they're mm -hmm. trying to just expedite that process, right? They're like, are you worthy of using the God forge? Cool. We're going to run you through this thing. And we don't want a line because there's a bunch of unworthy people using this divine yeah. instrument, yeah. right? Exactly. I like that a lot. And that, of course, has the potential for a lot of corruption to take place and bribes and all sorts of things. To oh, absolutely. It's rife for corruption, yeah. right? Because it's easier to manipulate than just a bunch of random numbers. Of course. Especially when the when the queue itself, I, I don't think we've codified this entirely, but I do want to talk about this idea that the queue itself, you can trade and everything like that, but the number itself is completely out of anyone's control that we know of, right? Like it could be an angelic thing. It could be a celestial thing, but the cue itself is a hard axiomatic law of the city. Again, you can manipulate it by transactions. Mm -hmm. You can manipulate it in various ways, but like the numbers, no, those are set. You know what the fuck we're getting into. You know, does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, cool. And again, I love any institution that is trying to make itself out to be kind of this paragon of justice, paragon of good, because that's where you're going to find the most rotten, 
corrupt officials and corrupt motherfuckers. And of course, (laughs) of course, the great kind of double-sided coin of that is that you have people who are really striving to fight for that ideal as well. And that double-sidedness is exactly what is so attractive to me about this type of concept. Yeah, I could see that scale structure also becoming a target for these extremist terrorists. Oh, absolutely. Because that's just another form of control essentially over the people, Mm -hmm. another form of, Mm -hmm. or another way to get people to focus on this thing that they see as fake or like a false idol, basically. Exactly. And this is also an easy scapegoat for Daniel's people as well, because it's like, oh, see, look, they're the ones manipulating the literal scales. They're the ones Mm -hmm. literally manipulating the currencies and the, the exchanges and stuff like that. And mind you, they, they kind of are, but not to any like necessarily nefarious state. It's a selfish thing, mind you, but it's not inherently nefarious, you know? <sighs> All right. We've got through three factions. We've skirted around this quite a bit. We talked about the vice dens earlier. We talked about the criminal organizations in the previous episode. Do we want to spend a little bit more time with them? I feel like we should flesh them out just a little bit and maybe add in some randomized roles to kind of make us think and flex a little bit more. What do you guys think? I'm always down for some some random roles for these things. Mm. Yeah. I'm not so much interested in the Vice people, though, particularly. Mm-hmm. I think they have plenty of stuff behind them. But I, I, a randomness I'm always, of course, for. So so do you want to just create our own faction then? Like a brand new, yeah, like randomized yeah. faction? Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like, you know, we've, we have quite a bit with our vice people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would mostly Last agree with that. episode was kind of yeah. all yeah. vice. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, if that's the case, then yeah, let's go ahead and pull up some randomized roles mm-hmm. and see what we got going. So first things first, we got to give this organization a theme. And the theme that we're going to be rolling with is... Secrets. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we've got secrets. And the first thing that we're going to be focusing on within this organization, within this faction, is the downfall of something important. Interesting. So this faction's theme is secrets. And the thing that they're focusing on is the downfall of something important. So This sounds a lot like Daniel's line breakers. So how can we make them remarkably distinct from that concept, but still keeping within the themes and the thing that we're focusing on? When I hear um, mystery, I think about, um, of course, the angels. Mm -hmm. And I think of, for some reason, I think of like an angel that's either currently in the city or a fragment of one in some way. And I'm I'm getting an image of like um, people if infected by it in some way, like um, people who have 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 echoes of it in them, and there's some kind of underworld. I'm getting I'm getting strong vibes of like way back in episode one, I think, when we were talking about that kind of psychic person who do do, do we remember this oh, bit? Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I know that that was a while ago for us, but you know, <laughs> so so. Again, we got secrets. Mm -hmm. Maybe the first thing we should do is try and focus on something really important. What is the thing that they're trying to create the downfall of? What if they're trying to get rid of the wall that separates the city from the weirdness that starts towards the edge of the world? Oh, sounds like a kind of accelerationist. Yeah. Mm. Maybe they feel that it's going to like further their psychic ability or something. Like the wall is a barrier to the next step of, of what the human mind is capable of. Okay. I like the idea that we're bringing the psychics back into this because I feel like they're an underdeveloped aspect of Mm. the kind of setting that we've developed thus far. So I would love if we could make them the mainstay within this faction. That sounds right. Yeah. I'm down for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you say that they're trying to take down the wall, do we mean this as a metaphor or do we mean this as a literal they're trying to destroy a wall? Because to me, if it's a metaphor for they're trying to like metaphorically break down the wall between human consciousness or or the consciousness and the end of the world or something like that, th- there's stuff that we can kind of work with here rather than like if they're just trying to break a wall down. 
Yeah, with the wall, I'm referencing my area from last time, which was right. like the sort of protective uh, fields that that keep the city safe from like angels on the outskirts there. Right. No, I do. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it could almost be both. Maybe they want to push civilization closer to the edge because that feels like it's the source of where their power is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I agree that it's something about like opening other people's minds to the truth as they see it. And I, I love that. I'm glad that we're here. Now let's go ahead and wrap it all together with the theme of secrets. How do secrets play into this? How does this work? What are we looking at here? I wonder if um, part of what how they will achieve this is uh, ultimately very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for some reason, I think of them finding a way to turn the wall into a means of attracting angels uh, oh. rapidly to it. Ooh. So like as a beacon rather than barrier. Or use the literal beacon that Rob came up with last time. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where the secret can come in is that mm-hmm. the original purpose or the real purpose of the beacon uh, is in fact like it, it, yeah. no one knows this except this group of psychics, right. or at least that's what they believe is that they think that this is a beacon, or well, well, actually, let's let's kind of parse that out. Do they believe that they can use it as a beacon, or do they believe that they can break the wall using the beacon? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, can we describe both of these technologies separately? Remind us how they function. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> with the wall, it was sort of a amalgamation of various like cultures that have worked together over centuries, probably building up different methods of blocking out whatever weird disturbances come as you get closer to the the edge of the world, mm-hmm. which would include like the influence of angels. Okay. So there were like force fields and pylons and, you know, literal structures. And yeah, it's kind of a a hodgepodge of stuff. And then the beacon. The beacon, as as far as I made it, was a floating lighthouse structure. Oh, right. The cops are. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Right. Wherever you were in the city, you look up and you could see where you were based on your relative uh, position to the beacon. Right. So it sound, sounds like you use one to break the other because the beacon has a high vantage point. You could use mm-hmm. the beacon to punch holes in it, perhaps. I don't know. Or use the beacon to uh, counteract the wall entirely. It seems like the beacon is the, the fulcrum by which we could eliminate the wall at the angel. Then. Right. And, and I originally kind of created the beacon as a mysterious. No mm-hmm. one created it. We just kind of found it there. So type thing. There. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the idea that that it does have this mysterious origin and purpose and that this group is working towards utilizing that origin is mm-hmm. could definitely work here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be perfect. I, don't, I mean, we really necessarily have to figure out the exact mechanism. Yeah, because maybe they don't even know what yeah. it will do. Mm-hmm. They just know that it's Ooh. for this purpose. Okay, we can we can further create a distinction between them and Daniel's line breakers by having them be more academic. They're more interested in understanding the secrets of understanding how to use the beacon. So they're not out there trying to like take a hammer to a wall. They're out there digging around in and and trying to find forbidden research and forbidden knowledge. And they're like trying to figure out as much information as they can so they can use the beacon. Mm -hmm. They're not sledgehammers. They're archivists. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I mean, and summoning the angels and achieving whatever crazy psychic understanding they intend, like that is a scholarly slash religious pursuit. Whereas the rebels, they are more interested in practical material effects to people. Like they don't. Holy yeah. shit. You know? Yes. Okay. We can take this. We can turn that thematically and turn it literal, which I know Daniel loves to do. And thank you for that, Daniel. So if they are less concerned about earthly things much because your line breakers are, they're more interested in like right. physical needs and concerns. Why don't we make them like astronomers slash astrologers where they're looking towards celestial bodies, whether that be angels or stars, and they're looking away from the earth. Their concerns are heavenly. They're celestial. And that's partially where their research kicks in. You can kind of come into this thing where they're trying to commune with angels and stars through psychic communication. So they're trying to astral project. They're trying to like 
move to different planes of existence through psychic transportation through these fields of ether. And then that's where part of their field research comes in too. I like it. I don't want to get too close to the um, accelerationist astrologers that we had in our oh, that's true. In the ocean setting. <laughs> oh, see, I, I didn't even have that in mind. I was thinking more Bloodborne, where they're using like telescopes to look at shit. They're looking, they're like talking to giant mind spiders who are just like, yo, what can we do here, guys? You know, like that, that's kind of something that I'm interested in. Yeah, I mean, what if angels in the setting are the stars that get called to the earth for whatever reason? Oh, like maybe that's the cool. maybe the that. night sky is completely different in this universe that we're working on. Like it's not there aren't like stars and planets like millions of light years away. It's actually like these pinpoints where angels come from or something. Or you can literally talk to stars because yeah. they're angels. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool as shit. I like that. Cool. All right. Yeah, cool. Let's do that then. <laughs> Fuck it. We did it. I imagine too that this faction is also very pro-Godforge, unlike the um, terrorist group, which is yes. wants to blow it up. I'm okay with that. I'm entirely okay with that. <sighs> All right. We've we've created four factions here today. We've now got a city full of intrigue and moving parts and moving factions and oh, this is so fucking exciting and so cool. I'm so glad that we got to do this deep dive. Now that we're three parts in, I think it's only appropriate that we roll on the twist list and figure out what kind of twist we've got. How does that sound to y'all? Makes sense to me. All right. So next episode will be our final foray into this setting for the time being. Let's roll for the twist. I'm very excited to see what we get here. And our twist is... An evil cabal slash secret organization is behind everything. <laughs> hmm. That sounds about right. God damn it. I <laughs> okay. Sure. The implications of the Okay, whatever. Fuck it. We're going to figure this out next episode. Next episode will be the final episode of this four-parter. Again, because we're doing something new and different, we want to hear from y'all. Talk to us in Discord. Email us. Let us know what you think about this longer form content compared to our shorter stuff. We love, 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 and need to hear from you guys about this because it's new and different for us, right? With all of that out of the way, remember that if you want to talk to us about that, you can go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. That's the hub. You can click many links to figure out how to talk to us, where to talk to us. Or if you want us to get back to submitting prompts and talking about those, that's where you go to submit your own prompt worldbuildwithus.com, that is. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're still over on Twitter, at Let's World Build. If you want to come chat with us in the Discord and let us know there, you can do so. Or if you're feeling particularly generous or just want to chat with us about other stuff or, or just want to give us money for any reason, go to our Patreon uh, with a link in the description and on our website for that. A huge thank you to all of our patrons and all of our listeners. That's going to do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much. We're going to get through this together until next week. 